Let's begin our lesson this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, one of the most essential doctrines that every believer needs to be grounded in, needs to understand, is the doctrine of the two natures of the believer. And so let's begin this lesson in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, if they're saved, if they've put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, you are in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we read this passage, we need to understand what is that new thing that we have? What, what's the old thing that's passed away? And what, is, what does that mean exactly? The new thing that we possess by way of the very life of Christ that's been placed within us, by the very presence of the Holy Spirit with us and in us, that new thing is a new nature. That when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're born again. You are born from above. You are a new creation, a new creature. And when you receive that new nature, that's what we need to understand. What is it and how does it impact us? And the old passing away, what, what does that mean exactly? The believer in Jesus Christ possesses not only the new nature, the new creation that we receive when we're born again, but we still possess that old nature with which we were born in the natural, the, the nature that we receive from Adam, that sinful, fallen nature. And this is unique to believers. Only believers have two natures within them. One is the new nature of the very life of Christ, and the other is the old nature of, of Adam. Both natures are received by birth. When you're born naturally, every human being has the old creation, the old man. Everyone is born with that sinful, Adamic nature. But the new, the new creation is also by birth, by the second birth. Let's define what nature is. What is this? We know that man's made up of body, soul, and spirit. Where does nature fit in there? What is there a fourth fourth uh, thing in there. Nature can be defined as several things. The energy, the power, the principle, or the law that governs and influences the choices of man. It's, it's an influence. It's a tendency. It's inherent to the nature. The inherent tendencies of the old nature is to do that which is contrary to the will of God. And the tendencies that are inherent to the new nature is to always do what's right in the sight of God. And both of those natures will have an influence, a power, a dominance, depending on which one the believer yields to. But they both have very different tendencies. They're very different. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5.17. And let's read this again, and I'll add a little amplification here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ saved, he is a new creature. That is, we are a different kind of being than we were before. Old things have passed away. That means that the time of the influence and the dominance of the old nature has passed. 
Before, that's the only power that we could yield to. But that time has passed. Behold, all things have become new. That is, something new and different has appeared on the scene in our life. It's that new nature with new tendencies that not only seals our destiny, but also has power to dictate the very course and direction of our life. We can go a different direction than we could go before because we have a new principle, a new law, a new nature within us. Let's go to Romans 6, and we'll read verses 5 and 6 of Romans chapter 6, and we'll see the source of these two natures. We mentioned them, but let's go to the scriptural foundation for the statements that I made earlier so that you know the foundation of what God has revealed to be true about who you are. Romans chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, that is the death of Christ, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. All that we are in Adam falls under this heading, the old man. Everything that we were before we were saved, everything that Adam plunged us into falls under this heading of the old man, including that nature that causes us to constantly drift farther and farther from, from God. We received from Adam this nature that makes us conduct ourselves contrary to the will of God. This is the old creation. All of these terms refer to the same thing. The old creation, the old man, the old nature. That's what you're born with. And that's why man acts like he does, makes the choices that he makes, because that's the influence that dictates how he lives this life, how he conducts himself in this fleshly body. Now let's go to Colossians 3 and see the new man. Colossians 3, 9 to 11. Paul deals with this subject quite extensively, and this is why it's one of the fundamental, essential doctrines that you need to know. It will help you to deal with the confusion that comes. Why do Christians sin if they're saved, if they're children of God? Why do we still have tendencies to sin? And that's because that old nature is still there. But what we have to understand by the teaching of the, the Word of God is that we no longer have to be under the influence of those old tendencies. We've been given a new power within us. And the question is, the, what we have to learn is how to yield to that new power within us, to be dominated by the new creation. Paul writes in Colossians 3.9, Do not lie to one another. Well, that's, that's from the flesh. That's from the old nature. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. In other words, it's the very nature of God. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Every believer has that divine nature within them. So all that we are in Christ through the new birth, it falls under that heading of the new man, the new creation, by the miracle of the new birth. 
that spiritual heavenly birth. Paul uses several terms to refer to this nature. And more often than not, Paul will refer to, we've already read some terms, the old man, the old creation, the new man. But two of Paul's favorite terms, the flesh and the spirit. Now, in the New Testament, when you read the word flesh, it can mean, depending on the context, it can just mean this body, this physical body. But often it refers to the nature that dictates the conduct of this body. And so when you read flesh in the New Testament, you have to look at the context. Is he talking about the physical body or is he talking about the nature that, that uh, dictates the conduct of that body? And in sometimes in the same passage, he'll use both the flesh talking about the body and then talking about the, that nature as well, the flesh. But then he uses the word spirit to describe the new man, the new creation, that new nature. And when he uses the word spirit in this context, he's not talking about the spirit of man. He's talking about the new nature that is a spiritual nature that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so often when he reads, when, when you read the word spirit, you have to look at the context. Is he talking about the new nature or is he talking about the spirit of man or is he talking about the Holy Spirit? Let's go to John 3, where Jesus himself uses these terms as well. John chapter 3 and verses 6 and 7. John chapter 3 and verse, verses 6 and 7. Jesus, of course, speaking here to Nicodemus in this familiar third chapter of John, talking to Nicodemus about salvation. And Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, ye must be born again. So we receive the flesh nature when we are born in the flesh. When we have this physical birth, we have the flesh nature. When we're born again by the Holy Spirit, who is that power of regeneration, we have the spirit nature that always does what is right in the sight of God. Paul also uses a term that we need to understand when we're looking at this doctrine, and he uses the term carnal, which, by the way, also means flesh or fleshly. So Paul uses this term to describe believers that have not learned to yield to the new creation. They still live a life that's characterized by acts of sin. And so Paul calls believers, and he calls only believers carnal, to distinguish them from those that live a life that is dominated by the spirit and by that spirit nature. And so he says of those that are characterized by acts of sin, Christians, he says they're carnal. But those Christians that are characterized by righteousness, by doing what is right in God's sight, he calls them spiritual. And so you see how I realize this is a vocabulary lesson, but you need to understand biblical vocabulary so that you can understand biblical truth. And so you see how all of these words connect and give us an understanding of the two natures that the believer has. Let's go to Galatians 5.17. And because of the very presence of these two very different natures, the believer has a battle that rages within them. Galatians 5.17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. 
two natures. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Paul knew the battle of the believer with these two natures. He knew that battle firsthand when he first came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at his personal battle in Romans 7 and verses 14 to 25. This can be a little confusing as you read, and hopefully I won't get confused as I read it. But it is a very accurate picture of that battle that goes on within the believer. Why does a Christian, after they've come to a genuine new birth experience, putting their faith in Jesus Christ, having been born again, made a new creature, why is there still a tendency to do what you know God says is not right? Because many Christians have not learned to yield to that new life within them. And that's, what we, that's the secret we have to learn. First of all, we have to understand why there's a battle. Otherwise, you're going to think, well, I'm not really saved. Or maybe I was saved and now I lost it. If you don't know these doctrines, you can come to those false conclusions. But when you first of all understand, okay, there's something going on here. And now I just need to understand what God wants me to do with this battle and in this battle. How can I win this battle? Or more importantly, how can that life of Christ in me win? So we want to start with those basics. Romans seven fourteen. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. There's that confusion. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. So Paul's saved now. He wants to do what's right in his father's sight, but he seems to be slipping here in that first experience of his walk with the Lord. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So there's a power, there's an influence that is causing him to conduct himself in certain ways. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh. Now he's just talking about his his body, but that fleshly body that contains the flesh nature. Nothing good dwells. Nothing. For to will is present with me. I want to do what's right. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. That's quite a, quite a battle he's having. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law. We could insert the word nature there. It's, it's a power. It's a principle. It's an influence. It's a governing force. I find then a law that is that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. That's another phrase he uses to describe the new nature. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Sounds like a horrible condition for which there is no remedy. But he asks the question and then he answers. He found the answer. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The believer in Jesus Christ has this intense battle raging within them. Now, the unbeliever, who only has the flesh nature, they may wrestle with their conscience. We're not, I'm not saying that there's not a battle that the unsaved can have. God gave them a conscience, and they may wrestle with that conscience. But when it's all said and done, the unbeliever can only do what is contrary to the will of God because they reject the righteousness of God that is found in faith in Jesus Christ. And so everything they do is contrary to the will of God because it's done in rejection of the authority, the sovereignty, and the grace of God. So only believers can have this genuine battle. In Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, Paul wrote, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The unbeliever can never do the will of God. Even good, moral, religious unsaved people cannot please God because they reject Jesus Christ. But these opposing powers within the believer, they can cause such confusion as they did with Paul. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this dilemma? I want to do what's, what's good, and yet I fail, and I fall short, and then I feel guilty, and I'm convicted, and, and, and it's just a horrible way to live. There is a way of victory. The first step to victory is learning what things are of the flesh and what things are of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 31, you don't have to turn there, but Paul said, if we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. And so when you're having this battle, the first thing is to know what conducts are of the old nature and what conducts are of the new nature. How do I respond to this situation? And this is where it becomes very practical now. These are classroom principles we're learning here. But you need to take this outside of the classroom and take it to work, to school, in your home, with your parents, with your children, with your family. When you're in these day-to-day -day circumstances and situation, you're always going to have choices. I can react this way or I can react this way. I can say this or I can say that. Which one is of the flesh and which one is of the spirit? The Word of God gives us clear descriptions. As we can consider several descriptions here of the old nature, it becomes clear that all of these conducts can fall under the heading of selfish. The flesh is all about self. That's, what, that's the nature we're born with. You see it in children the moment they, even before they begin to talk, you see life is all about them. And that does not change until there is a new creation that can be yielded to. Galatians 5. Let's read some of these ugly traits that we need to recognize. And when, when we are tempted, when there is that, that desire and that influence, and I'll tell you right now, that's going to be your first reaction. The flesh is, is quick. Have you noticed that about yourself? I've noticed that about me. My first response to situations, whether it be anger or sadness or whatever it is, is to lash out, to feel sorry for myself. 
how to protect myself from this hurt or from, from this insult or from this attack. That's my, that's my flesh nature that's going to respond, and I need to recognize it. And so here we see, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, all about self, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. All that fall under that genre. Selfish, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is the only nature that the unsaved have, and they have no part of the kingdom of God. Also, Romans 7 and verse 18, we read earlier. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Paul elsewhere in his writings describes the flesh as corrupt, deceitful, incapable of pleasing God and of understanding the will of God. And so any attitude, action or activity, even association, that indulges your flesh your selfish desire, and ignores the clear revelation of the will of God in that situation, you need to know that's of the flesh. Judge it. Don't just respond. Don't go through life with knee-jerk reactions to life. That's the flesh. And it will always be about you, self. But Paul tells us that we have a new nature with new conduct, new tendencies. Ephesians 4, 24. The new nature will always present itself as selfless. It will always first and foremost seek to please God, whether anybody else is pleased or not, or whether it even pleases you or not. You're going to do what the Lord says pleases him. That's the the influence that the new nature will have on you. Secondly, the new nature will always seek what is in the best interest of those around you, of someone else even at the sacrifice of your own convenience or your own physical or emotional well-being. The new nature will always seek what is best for others. You can recognize those conducts, those reactions. You'll be able to examine them and say, oh, that's clearly of the flesh. Now I have the power and the opportunity. Now that I'm born again, that old nature no longer has the right to tell me how to live my life. I have a new nature that has been placed on the the throne. And I can acknowledge that power and that influence, or I can reject it as a Christian. The Christian can choose to sin, and often does. Still a Christian, still saved, still has two natures. But why would we want to be slaves to such a cruel master that leaves nothing but destruction, scars in our life? when I can have a life of victory that has God's best. Ephesians 4.24, And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. God's provision is that the flesh no longer has dominion in your life. That's his provision. And every child of God has that provision available. But you have to choose it. You have to, this is a choice, you have to put on. When you get up every morning, You make some choices. What are you going to wear, don't you? You consider some things, the weather and where you're going, and you make a choice. I'm going to put this on. Why? Well, it's a choice I make. 
it really is that simple how we live our life, whether it is under the influence of the clothes of the old nature, which are conducts, choices. I can lie, preserve my, my dignity, my, myself, to protect myself from shame. I can lie in this situation. I can put that on. The clothes of the old nature stink with death. Why would you put it on? Or I can choose to tell the truth and to leave the consequences with God. He's my protector. He's everything that I need. And that choice you make over and over again, not just with lying, but with every other temptation that you have to sin, put off the old man, put on the new. John wrote in 1 John 3, 9, that whoever is born of God does not sin. Some people don't understand that. Well, you just said Christian sin. His seed remains in him, John said. That seed, that's another term for the new nature, for the life of Christ in you. The life of Christ cannot sin. And so if you yield to that life, you won't sin either. You'll make the right choice. The temptations will come. I'll have to quickly close with a few few comments here, but there are two extreme errors concerning the two natures of the believer. One is the error of sinless perfection. That is, some Christians teach you that when you're saved, the old nature is ripped out root and branch, and you no longer have a sinful nature. It's just taken away, and so now you're always going to do what's right. Whoa, is that wrong? And that's why the false doctrines that, well, since they believe, the old nature is taken out, and if someone sins, well, they were never really saved. That's the problem. Or maybe they were saved, but now... Now they're lost again. Do you see why it's important to know these essential foundation doctrines? Because you can come to that false conclusion if you don't understand the two natures. And then there is the other error, and that is sinful imperfection. And that is, well, since, since we still have the old nature and since in this life we will never reach sinless perfection, and that statement is true, you'll, you'll never in this life reach sinless perfection. But some people wrongly conclude, since that's true, then why do we even worry about trying to do what's right or wrong? Let's, let's just do whatever we want to, because it's just inevitable that we sin every day. That's a false doctrine. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us there is a way of victory. I never have to sin. Now notice, I didn't say I never sin. But when the believer sins, it's because they choose not to avail themselves to the provision of the new nature in them. We reach for the old stinky clothes of the old nature instead of reaching for the new life, the new conducts, the new clothes of the new man. When you have time, read Romans 6. I'm going to give you a quick summary of the way of victory over your old flesh nature. How can you live a godly life? How can, when you are tempted to lie, to sin, to immorality, or, or whatever other selfish influence there is that's pushing you, ah, this is a good choice. We've already learned you judge it. Okay, that's, that's of the flesh, so I know what it is, so now I have a choice. Am I going to make that choice, or am I going to yield to the power of the life of Christ in me? So the first thing that you're going to see in Romans chapter 6 is that you, you need to reckon with God. The word reckon simply means to count it so. When you reconcile your bank account, 
you're making your checkbook agree with the bank, and sometimes vice versa, but hardly ever. And with God, God's always right. And so we need to reckon with God. We need to agree with him that what he says about me is true. I don't have to sin. So so many times we make excuses for our sin and even the sins of our loved ones. Well, I couldn't help it. Brother Doug, you I don't know how many times I've heard this. I didn't mean to, for it to happen. It just happened. For the child of God, that's never true. You have a choice. When you agree with God, you reckon with God and you say, I do have a choice. God says I have a choice. He said the old passed away. It no longer has a right to, to tell me what to do. But the life of Christ in me, that benevolent king, life, power, law, principle, always has my eternal best interest in mind. I can yield to, to him now. He has the right and the authority. I agree with God. The second thing you'll find in Romans 6 is to yield Depending which version you, you read it, it says present your bodies. So you judge it in the light of God's word. Is this right? This wrong? You say with God, I can make the right choice here. I know what I want to do. I know that tendency that's forcing me, that, but this is, this is the best answer right now in the moment. Or I can believe what God says. I know in the light of his word which choice I should make. And now I'm going to agree with God that I can make it. And now I'm just going to yield to it. I'm going to present myself. I'm going to do what seems to be contrary to what I want to do, but I know it's right in God. And then in Romans 6, you're going to read that you, the next step is to simply obey. Saints, it really is that simple. You have the power to do it when you're tempted to immorality. Do what Joseph did. He just ran. He knew what his flesh was. He knew his tendency. It's not that he didn't want to sleep with his master's wife. He knew it would not please God. And so he just ran. He had a choice, and he made it. You can too. Whatever the temptation is, obey. In Ephesians 4, you can jot that down as well and read that. Put on the new man. Put off the old, his conducts, his ways, and put on the new. In Hebrews 5, you can read about feeding the new nature. Read the Word of God. See what's good, what's bad in the sight of God. What pleases him, what doesn't. Feed that new man. This is why attending... Studies like this is so important. It gives you the spiritual food to build up the new man within you. And then lastly, in Galatians 5, 6, we'll close with this. To live a life of victory over sin, to be characterized and dominated by the conduct of the new man, a life of godliness, you need to recognize the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Not just talk about him. Not even just to say one time I spoke in tongues and I have that experience. No. That's part of what we're talking about. That's part of the equation of acknowledging and recognizing and submitting to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. But this is a daily choice to acknowledge his work in your life. And Galatians 5.16 says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's that simple. But you have to know what that walk is. So we've just scratched the surface here, but hopefully that will pique enough interest in some, some of your lives to study it more deeply. Hopefully it, it will answer some of the confusion. Why, why do I still want to do this when I know it's not right? There is a way of victory. You don't have to sin. You don't have to experience the, the consequences, the sad, scarring consequences of bad choices in your life. If you'll take the time 
to judge yourself in the light of God's Word, and then to yield to the Holy Spirit that will empower you to surrender to the life of Christ in you. Let's have a song in closing.